Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Manchester His Red podcast. My name is Stephen Railston and we're recording this episode on a Monday morning at quarter 12 roughly. Um, two days after Manchester United defeated 2-1 against Fulham at Old Trafford on Saturday afternoon of course. Um, in today's episode we'll get into that performance, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, look ahead to the FA Cup game against Nottingham Forest in midweek. Um, and then that's about it really but I'm joined by Samuel Lucas of course for this episode how are you Samuel? I'm fine thank you how are you? pretty chip I'm in the sunshine isn't it which is quite rare but the weather seems to be improving um, we know our podcast listeners tune in for our weather conversation of course um, Samuel look at a disappointing performance a really disappointing performance um, United had been undefeated in 2024 of course a, a string of really positive results they moved at the table they had a feeling of momentum behind them but this was another setback. Big setback in the when you get a late equaliser and then there are nine minutes of added time, signalled. You think, okay, we're we're two steps in. The third step is the Fergie time winner. There was a Fergie time winner, but it went to the opposition, and I don't think that's happened very often at all. I remember Patrick van Aanholt doing it for Crystal Palace uh, a few years ago, but this one was was particularly galling for United in the. It was probably the easiest fixture they had in in February, and they they of course have been winning. I I wouldn't say they've been convincing um, in in those wins, but if you're on a run of four or five wins um, on the spin, then th- th- there's bound to be confidence around the place. That confidence was, in fairness, deflated on on Friday with the Hoyland news. I think a lot of us just thought, yeah, they're, they're not going to win on, on Saturday. And even when I looked at the team sheet and saw no Palhinha and William and that was my fault I didn't realise Palhinha was, was suspended or William would be out I still didn't have the sense of confidence that United would would win this game there were just some selections that you think well Fulham can get them there and Fulham did get them and we, we'll get into a hell of a lot about them but even just this the, the way United United's approach it, it doesn't exist. Their best period of football on Saturday was between the equaliser and Iwobi's winning goal. There was no method to it. There was no structure to it. It was just thrive amid the chaos. It was get swept up in the wave of emotion. Uh, I noticed that Garnacho and Fernandez seemed to celebrate the added time more gleefully than the actual equaliser because they thought it was coming. Rich turned to me and said, it's coming. And at that point, normally you're buried in the, your head's buried in a laptop and you rewrite things. But I thought, no, actually, I'm going to I'm going to prioritise the spectacle here. And even the near misses when Leno made a couple of saves or McTominay pulled it well wide, th- there wasn't a sense of like, United fans were obviously in agony at it, but they knew that there was another chance coming because they they felt it was coming. And they've had their late winners this season. They've had their eighty something minute winners this season. But that approach is unsustainable. You can only you could probably only get away with those in a successful season about five times, I'd say. You know, United had a hell of a lot of late goals under Sir Alex Ferguson across 20-odd years, but they were spread across 20-odd years. It wasn't something that was happening two or three times a month or um, you know, two, two or three times within a three-month period. And that's been United this season. There has been this element of drama. And when I saw Toby Collier when I was told that he was going to be in the squad I thought that's great for him but there's absolutely no chance he's getting on in today's game because the game would have to be boxed off for him to have the opportunity to become number 250 and it's 
it's it's extremely disappointing for United that they they did revert to type in that the striker is is unavailable. The striker who's been scoring goals while they've been winning. Who's the identity of the goal scorer at the weekend? It's a defender. Um, is Marcus Rashford going to hack it up front? No, he's not. The only the only outfield player who turned up was Garnacho. He was by far and away their best player on Saturday. I thought Anana did all right as well. But apart from those two, it was a really poor, complacent performance as well. You said, you, obviously, they've, they've had a lot of Saturday 3pm kickoffs at Old Trafford this season, which is what supporters want. But the atmosphere was was moribund. Apart from the set of supporters to our right next to the Fulham fans, and they'd only been re- relocated there because Fulham hadn't taken up their full allocation. So obviously Fulham are rightly revelling in this this brilliant win they've had. First Old Trafford win since October 2003 and they were worthy winners, but they didn't even have enough... They didn't have the number of supporters they should have had um, present for it, which gives you an idea of the, of the makeup of their fan base. And as I said, when you sometimes with these games where it's it's a team that have only won twice away from home, it's a team whose supporters really should be at the rugby, it's a team that are missing some big players. You, you just too many expected United to win. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work like that with United anymore. They they make hard work of it, even when it's when it's they're making it look easy. They made it look easy for an hour against Wolves. They still needed a ninety seventh minute winner in that game and this is the problem with them you look at Villa and you think okay they, they've reacted well to being beaten by United but they were wobbling Tottenham and Tottenham they're prone to wobble but do you have faith in United to yeah. consi- be consistent enough to finish above both of them no I think over the last six weeks this podcast has been overwhelmingly positive but then yeah. I think in like the second part we've said look at the end of the day still haven't been completely convincing because there's been elements of the performances that have been concerning. You look at Villa Park when the lack of control, Villa could have equalised, for example. And, I mean, the lack of control, we keep on talking about this season, they just don't have it. And that's tactical. Me and Tyrone have sat here and talked about that systematic, that's on 10 arg. Should have control in games and they just don't. Um, I mean, for the first whistle, there was just a lack of energy. It was pedestrian. It was lacklustre. Yeah, it was really lifeless, wasn't it? And you could see the Fulham goal coming. It was just a surprise that they weren't leading at half-time obviously got that goal and as you said it took a full goal for United to kind of get a job behind them and get things going didn't it and going back to that point about Ten Hag though I mean tactically that is on him because at this stage of the I use the word project I mean in quotation marks but he's been here longer than 18 months now they should be playing a lot better than that and there shouldn't be tactical systematic concerns with the manager No but but there are and that's that's a big big con um, in the the assessment of him because in, Ineos will be doing an audit on him I think everybody expects unless they get taunt maybe 10-0 by City at the weekend that he probably will see out the season but as a colleague said in the press room on, on Saturday Ineos are overseeing all these changes and all these different departments it's kind of illogical if you're keeping the manager or you're not changing manager and we're talking on on today's the 26th of February of course this date last year United had a League Cup final they ended their trophy drought they were uh, they were probably third in the league table I'd have thought they'd beaten Barcelona three days earlier the, the peak then didn't they, they because that, that even was, that season that was the peak yeah, they were absolutely going in the right direction Ten Hag said that again on Saturday and this is the problem with these defeats they're compounded by some very very peculiar sound bites that he comes out with where he's He's a bit detached from reality. And that wasn't the case last season. If they won, he'd be constructive in, you know, constructively critical of them. And he has been a couple of times recently. After the Wolves game, I think in particular, he was, he was lamenting the failure to, um, to be further ahead. And he did so a little bit at Luton as well. But it seems like he's way more positive when they lose now. And I, I don't get it. I mean, Is that just week, pressure, though, surely? I think there's an element of that. That probably comes into it. But also, United fans aren't stupid. They, you know, they've, they've experienced one delusional Dutch manager before. And unfortunately, there are parallels with, with, with Louis van Gaal in that sense. And look, Ten Hag is by no means a, a, a van Gaal acolyte. If anything, he, he'd, like to be as, you know, he'd like to be as distant from him as, as, as possible. But you know, at least at least with Van Gaal, as, as staid and soporific as the star was that season, they were doing what he wanted. With United, we, we don't know what the plan is. And it, it's, it's noticeable he stopped saying stick to the plan since that Brian Gunn's 
Twitter account did a, a hilarious montage of the amount of times he'd said it. And it's just as well, as well, because nobody knows what the plan is. You look at, I think it might have been the turnover from when Varane played a, it was a bit of a hospital pass to Casemiro. He gets robbed of the ball, full and break, and should have done better with it. You look where Casemiro's position was and where Maynard's position was, and it's like, that does not compute. You park a bus in the middle of the yeah. midfield sometimes, couldn't you? It's, it's really so cool. easy to ride roughshod over them. And, and Ten Hag bemoaned, this was also peculiar, in that Ten Hag bemoaned Casemiro's withdrawal, um, which it would have yeah would have been before Fulham scored. So it was at nil-nil. He came off with a head injury, and he said they lacked stability there. Well, they did have a defensive midfielder on the bench if he wanted stability, and it was a defensive midfielder he'd also signed and also played for him at Utrecht, but in the end, Sofian Amrabat was unused. But the notion that Casemiro was providing stability was baloney. He, as I said, Fulham would bypassing him as much as Wolves were at the start of the season. And again, that is on the manager. Yes, Casemiro, has, his form has dropped off hugely this season. He's, he's conceding daft fouls. He was lucky not to get sent off at Luton. And he has to take... He's, he's heavily culpable for his own performances. But also, the manager is not getting the balance right there. And another manager would be getting the balance right. Do you know things just feel like Groundhog Day? We've been saying this on the podcast for three, four months now. I mean... So their wins earlier on the season were convincing. It was been a bit of a miserable first half, obviously. Yeah. Um, had picked up in recent weeks, but it's it, very deflating if you're a United fan that performance. Very deflating. Um, Hoyland's absence was obviously very significant. The ball wasn't sticking. He really brings a physical presence, doesn't he? And he needs a focal point, especially when Marcus Rashford plays down the middle. We've said it time and time again. He cannot play at centre forward, unfortunately. He likes to play on the left. And he almost, I mean, we've said it plenty of times again, but he sulks, doesn't he, when he plays down the middle. And that was evident on Saturday. And Amari Forson, he got the nod. He started on the right. Um, very raw, Samuel. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah I don't know why he got the nod. And, and also peculiar in that he won, He was looking to get out of the club last month. There was a an outside chance that he was he was going to get sold. And then suddenly he's, he's parachuted into the first team. Look, I'm not complaining about someone playing ahead of Anthony. I think that's, that's fair enough. Nobody wants to see Anthony starting for United, apart from maybe Anthony's It was his birthday. It was his birthday. Yes, yeah, that was... My piece it, just said it, that. In a way, he had probably his best and worst at United. All these players played ahead of him, but he was completely blameless for for the defeat. But Forson just... I've, I've never watched him and thought, yeah, he looks... He looks ready. And it happens all the time with United managers. They will see something in an academy player that nobody else can see. Um, Van Gaal with Tyler Blackett and Paddy McNair. Mourinho with McTominay at the time. Uh, Ralph Rangnick with Anthony Alanga. There's not really a classic case so much with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He just gave debuts to anyone and everyone in, in Astana at that time, given the illusion that they may have had a, might have had a future at United. And of course, McTominay has, has, you know, has made the most of his um, of his chance. He's he's had a career at United for years, but I don't look at Amari Force and think that he's going to be a mainstay in the United squad for for years. No, I think to come. his uh, few opportunities and appearances recently might have something to do with him being out of contract and kind of look son. You get that, around yeah. You. yeah. There's, you, there's you, a future you, for you here. That, that, that obviously happens a lot of the time, but a manager's got to be selfish. He's got to be putting the players on the pitch who are going to get the result who are likely to get the result the problem with that was that in playing him there it meant that Rashford played up front now I, I can't remember what our panel teams were but uh, I mean this was the, the quandary we all had Ganancho on the right and, and Rashford on the left I think Tenog's yeah. talked about the, yeah. the importance of this kind of rhythm you had Ahmad through the mission, didn't yeah. You? Yeah. I, I had McTominay up top I can't remember what Rich's choice was um, but they've been excellent in those positions. Rashford on the left, Ganacho on the right. Well, maybe not Rashford. Excellent. That's a bit hyperbole there. But you know what I'm trying to say. The result, the good results have came when those players have been in those roles. So yeah. it made sense to keep those players in those positions. Yeah. But in fairness to Garnacho, whose whose attitude is not not a problem, ironically, for someone who was late to a meeting in pre-season um, in 2022 and then didn't play at all in on that tour. If you play him on the right, he tends to play well. If you play him on the left, he's even better because that is his best role. I didn't think he played well at Luton, but he tries his heart out. He he was, as I said, he was the best player at the weekend. There were four four yellow cards for Fulham in the first half, and all of them were for fouls on Garnacho, which said it all. And the, the thing about Rashford that I find really frustrating on behalf of United fans that going back to pre-season, someone very very high up at the club 
was talking about Hoyland and that he would he wouldn't start every game. He'd play some games. Rashford pl- would play some games. I'm thinking this is a problem for a number of reasons. One, you're you're playing a lot of money for a player, a striker who is essentially going to be rotated. You're you're planning to rotate him. Two, you think Rashford is going to cut it at centre forward. He's not three. You've completely discounted Anthony Martial, which is fair enough, but he is on your books. And if, if he's that scorched earth, shouldn't you be looking to proactively sell him, even though there's a very, very small window? Because it's easy to forget he was fit in August. I think by that point... They could have possibly he was done something. Fit for most of the season, he was actually on the bench because yeah. we discussed this. We said, ironically, he's actually been available. Yeah, yeah. until first until early December. Season, yeah. yeah, but in the summer, of course, he was he was rehabilitating from his injury for most of it. But I think from the first or second game of the season, he was in the match day squad because you had the Roy Keane that great quote at Tottenham, didn't he? That you know, Anthony Marshall's coming, and you might as well put on Norman Whiteside or, or Frank Stapleton, which is a fair, very fair comment at the time. And it's it's aged well as well. But they started this season with essentially one striker who also started the season injured, uh, Hoyland, of course. And then you factor in that he's 20, he's callow, he's going to need time. And it's unfair on him and he's going to be overburdened, overtaxed. And unfortunately, as most players have at United, he picks up injuries. And this is the other con um, in terms of not bringing in a proven striker. Harry Kane's not missed a club match through injury in three years. Hoyland's had four separate layoffs already this season. That's I'm not saying that is that's all on him. It's not. Sometimes these things happen. A back fracture must have been a, a freak uh, muscular problem. You, you have to look at the fitness staff because I think that they are they're not doing the they're not doing their jobs well enough. Uh, muscular problems should always be avoidable. And of course, United did they found goals hard to come by last season. So without. Without a striker this season, and with Rashford's form falling off a cliff, of course they're struggling for goals this season. Their goal difference is still—is it in the minus again, or is it zero? It's—I'm not sure. It's in the plus numbers again. It, 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 back to zero. Back to zero. Was, yeah, so it was positive for the first time last week um, since August, since the opening weekend yeah. against Wolves. I mean, you were both for that game, which shows how diet it's been. My yeah. gosh, yeah. <laughs> this, um, this is, this, you know, the, the, I, I thought in the Moy season alone they'd exhausted ways of, like, the, the spectacular ways of losing and all records are tumbled, but no, it seems like they, they, they keep on coming. Keep, yeah, as you say, they keep on tumbling. Um, Casemiro will touch it in before ending this first part. I mean, Tenor kind of put it down to that substitution, as you just yeah. mentioned, but he wasn't very good again. Um, that back here, he lost possession, he dispossessed a, a few times, passing, sloppy. Um, well, and you could tell when he got robbed of the ball and he was chased back thought I don't want to get booked today and at that point you'd have thought actually you know take the foul there and get the take the yellow card then you, you've stopped the counter attack well, someone else wouldn't say that about the second part <laughs> <laughs> but I mean with Casimir what's your verdict since he's come back because look, we all know last season he was excellent outstanding we all thought he was kind of going to be that kind of bastion swine style player he was world class um, first half of this season well he season. was not world class last season, season I'm saying last season no no Schweinstein oh, no, 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 I'm saying Casemiro was last season yes yeah yeah I'm saying he could have went into the Schweinstein oh, yes. but, yeah. but he didn't yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously come back this year he looked at a shade, of the, a shade of his former self picked up that injury and we all said look when he comes back he's got to pick it up or maybe yeah. a phone call to Saudi Arabia is going to come um, but at the moment it seems like that phone call to Saudi Arabia is going I to think come. they they need to have not just had phone calls they must they need to have had Zoom calls teams meetings uh Flown out Faxes. there, yeah. <laughs> we just talk about a fax machine. Uh, yeah, yeah, before. a fax. That's I think that's still relevant, possibly uh, for, for for formal offers made to a player. Look, the, I think the I think the most important signing United make in the summer in terms of the the playing staff would be the midfielder to go with Mainu because it's got to be someone who's dynamic, athletic. It's unfortunately it's got. Yeah, ideally you'd be cherry picking one of Real Madrid's players, Chouameni or Camavinga or well, Bellingham. Could, but could have been gone. Declan Rice, couldn't it? It could have been Declan yeah, Rice. Uh, yeah, they've they've had opportunities to to get some of these players. It's they they can't always say this reason, that reason, or the other reason. And I I don't know who that player is. You you have to hope for United's sake that they've got a very good idea who of who that player is, but. They're, they're just so exposed in that area and you know, talking about the amount they, they had it on match of the day didn't they the amount of shots that they've been faced this season it's like it's well, obscene United have actually faced more it's, it's, it's an obscene number yeah, of attempts yeah. at goal and like sometimes if you're playing FIFA you can and I've not played FIFA far too long unfortunately but you can you know it's it's, it's 
stats padding. You just have a pot shot from here, there, or anywhere. But with United, it's every time they are giving they're gifting chances. And as Rich said, they're a team that rely on the counter attack, but they get countered. And Fulham countered them a lot of times before they finally got it right in the in the 97th minute with Iwobi's goal because the structure of the team is is just not right. And I think we all agreed when Casemiro came in that he was the during that period where they had the mini winter break and there was a sense they were going to have their strongest players back of course Casemiro would go with Maynu because they hadn't started a competitive game together and Casemiro has benefited Maynu he's, yeah, he's, he's had some brilliant um, performances for United primarily away from home he's played a bit more advanced but it's still it's still not ideal and you're still looking at Casemiro and you think he's got two years left on his contract <sighs> on the salary he'll be on as well can you justify him being a first team in next season? The answer is is no. Uh, it's, it's got there's got to be an upgrade there. He is starting to to show his age. He is performing as we feared he would perform in his first season. When he was, as I said, he was outstanding. He was talismanic. I thought he was United's best player last season. But the drop off this season, he's not the only one who's had the drop off. It's 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 been stark and. This is the problem United have got. There were just far too many players who performed really well last season who, have underperform- who are underperforming this season, the manager included. And if that happens, you're going to fall. You're going to fall down the table. Well, last season was built on a fantastic defensive foundation. And Marcus Rashford scoring goals, yeah. scoring for fun. Yeah. So, and neither of those have no, happened no, this time no. As you say, the <clears throat> in terms of their outstanding top five outstanding performers last season, you'd have had. Martinez, Casemiro in there, probably Varane in there. Those those are three defensive players already. Wan-Bissaka had a pretty good second half this season, another defensive player. In terms of the attacking players, I, th- I thought Fernandes was, was good last season and, and Rashford obviously was. But of those regulars, it was only really that those two, uh, of, of the front six players who had really, really, you know, Fine seasons, you would say it, it was. It was built on a very solid defensive foundation, and already that's going to have to be that's going to have to be rebuilt in the summer. Uh, that'll be it for part one, and we'll be back in a moment for part two. Welcome back to part two of the Manchester Is Red podcast, and we're going to get a bit into more of that performance and what went wrong at the end with Harry Maguire I guess it's fair to say because he comes up 89th minute scores that goal it was a striker's finish um, he's, he is a goal threat to be fair and he always looks capable from corners doesn't he um, but we were just discussing how Fulham actually scored in added time because the ball was out of front I didn't actually realise I thought it was for a counter attack at the time and um, typing away um, but the break forward and Maguire he actually has two opportunities to bring down Triori I think to begin with and Triori bursts a bit forward and he could have done it again Obviously, Maguire was on a yellow card, so it would have meant it was sent off. Um, I guess it's easy to say in hindsight, but it would have been a sensible thing to do because it probably would have prevented a, a defeat. Well, it would have probably. Well, I even without hindsight, I remember thinking at the time was Triori was, yeah, when, when Triori yeah. was within reach, I was just thinking, like, you've got to take him out here because no one's catching him. And I know he can be erratic, Triori, and he might not make the pass. But at the corner of my eye, I... I could see Fulham players overloading United on that side. And I thought it's it's difficult. It'd be difficult not to. Um, you, you'd have to do something really wrong not to find a, a teammate there, and he, he had to do it, Maguire. And look, the, it's it's not all on him that goal, um, but he is he's heavily culpable for it because he gets too tight to Muniz. Um, this was this was what United were doing. They were playing on emotion. They were playing. You know, they were thriving on the chaos. There was no structure to it. It was. We're Man United, we've got a late equaliser, we're in Fergie time, we're kicking the door to splinters, it's coming, we're going to get the ball. Yeah, absolutely, they, they, they overcommitted, they were out of position, Ten Hag said about a player being out of position, which might have been Lindelof, because it looked like he cramped up when, he, he was the one who conceded well, the Well, we were just talking about that, because Ten Hag kind of, it was diplomatically sort of discussed what went wrong with that goal, and he said... There was someone out of position. It's up for us to coach him better. And I've kind of watched it back, and perhaps it is Lindelof, but he picked up cramp or an injury, so is it hard to blame him for that? Yeah, well, and also Lindelof, in, look, he didn't play well at the weekend, but it was a bad pass from Fernandez, and he, he slides towards the ball to keep it, um, to prevent it from going out for a goal kick, so it goes out for a throw in. So, and he got a round of applause for it. One for the commitment. Also, United fans thought, well, we've got well, them pending. Yeah, exactly. Here. You shouldn't be conceding. We've from got them pending the in, in their the corner. own corner, yeah. right by the, the tunnel at the Stretford end. 
we'll get the ball back here and we'll create another chance. And Fulham played it, they played it brilliantly. I think it was Castagna who took the throw in. Muniz holds it up, lays it off, ball goes to Triori, Triori goes from 0 to 60 in God knows how many seconds, and it was a really good finish from Iwobi. But this happened against Wolves. Wolves scored uh, a similar goal when they equalised to make it 3-3 at the start of the month. So United's month has been bookended by them conceding identical goals. Uh, identical goals. They got away with it at Wolves because of the brilliance of Maynou with that winning goal a couple of minutes later. They didn't get away with it on uh, on Saturday. And that kind of encapsulates them in that they're, they're, they're that erratic and the five-game winning streak gave the illusion that they were on a, you know, they 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 were now consistent, and we all had the sense that the performances just didn't tally with, they didn't marry with with the um, with the results. Like Wolves, they were brilliant for forty five minutes or an hour, but in the end, they needed a ninety seventh minute winner. I thought West Ham were actually quite good at Old Trafford, but United were efficient. It didn't feel like a three nil win, but it's a good three nil win. Villa battered them and they had a rude getting a point from that never mind ended up losing it to United uh, Luton unnerved United in the first half and they could have had a late minute uh, last minute equaliser even though United had a lot of good chances on on the counter in the second half so th- there's not been one game where you thought yeah they've really cracked it here because even the West Ham game which was a rare like relatively straightforward one to write where they won 3-0 West Ham had and chances. Which performances are the, have been the most dominant? I think of Chelsea at home. Uh, that was probably from start to finish the most dominant. Yeah. Chelsea had a good, had five five really good but chances. Even then, I remember, yeah, we said in the podcast it was a great performance, but Chelsea could have Sterling missed a big one, didn't he? It was a Bro, Bro, yeah, well. hit the post in added go. time, so I think. Yeah, they're still conceding a, a roaring rare chances, even when they're playing well. Um, it's worth mentioning Anthony. Um, he came on it's for a the story for the yeah. last forty five seconds a minute. Um, 86 million signing from Ajax he's been here now for, for 18 months as well but he's getting overlooked for Amari Forsen and Ahmad who are 19 and 21 respectively um, that is his low point surely Samuel that is as bad as he gets yeah as I said he had a he had a dreadful day and he had a good day in that he there were three players essentially ahead of him playing on the right wing now but he he was you couldn't blame him for that defeat at the weekend, and and that that was the only positive for him. But when when Ty, when Ten Hag is doing that, it, look in fairness to Ten Hag, he he could have been doing what he was doing at the start uh, in the first months of the season when he just played Anthony regardless because he was his man. Then he realised that I, I can't justify this anymore, and look, he's he's been bold enough to say, look, I don't even though. He's coming on my watch and we spent this money for him. If he's not up to it, I'm, I'm not going to play him. But you've got to make the right call in terms of who does replace him. And he's not done that with, with Forson. So unfortunately for Ten Hag, that call was undermined because a lot of fans would have said, oh, good. Like, the, mo- the majority of predicted lineups on Saturday morning would have had Anthony in them. Anthony on the right, Garnacho on the left, Rashford up front. And of course, Anthony doesn't start. I think that would have generated approval from United fans. But then it was undermined by Forson coming in. Um, I thought Ahmad did all right again when he came on, but that was the first time we'd seen him since the Forest game, and that was in late January. So that was it was almost two months since he'd last played, and he, he's only missed a couple of games through illness, I think it was. So it, it obviously throws up the question as to what happens on on Wednesday because they're going back to Forest and. Anthony was cheered off that night. Ahmed came on, did quite well. Do you put Anthony in for that game? I don't think anybody would want to see Anthony in uh, for that game, but also you can't be starting Amari Force. And- Is it past the point of no return uh, with Anthony? You, you never want to write a player off because it does feel quite no, unfair. I, I have written him off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, we've said it a few times on the podcast, but he's just shown far too little. I mean, yeah. he's not got a goal or assist in the league this season. Look, it's February. It's look, almost March. Look. Look, there are more SEC filings in a day from United than there have been Premier League goals from Anthony. He's not scored a Premier League goal since, coincidentally, Forrest away in April last year. He's got one goal this season. He's got one assist this season. Both of them came against a, a League Two team in, in an FA Cup tie. If the the evidence is just completely it, it, it stacks up as to yeah, yeah exactly and this is the um, the tragic comic thing about United as well that it, it does write itself like as I said to Rich on Friday the last time they lost a game 
was the last time Hoyland was absent. And of course, Hoyland's absent on Saturday and they lose for the first time since that Forest match. So it's, as I said earlier about you know, this record still tumble with United, they also have these very original ways of you know, writing write, writing bad headlines or writing bad pieces for um, to, to, um, to come with a defeat. In terms of what the defeat actually means for Ten Hag, we kind of alluded to it in the first part and the tactical concerns that we all have and that we see each week, unfortunately. Um, we said he was auditioning for his job in the next three months. Um, and results are all well and good, but I think we made the point that the performances and the way, the sustainability of the performances has to be better. Um, so the pressure is really going to start cranking up. I mean, London Forest midweek, then Man City, it could be a, a huge, huge seven days. It's, it's a huge week because the FA Cup is the only trophy they have left to play for. And a derby is always huge. It doesn't it doesn't feel like that big a derby at the moment, and it probably still won't at the weekend, purely because City is so far ahead of United. And earlier in the season, you had the um, you, you had the poignance of Sir Bobby Charlton's recent <coughs> death, um, Sir Bob Charlton's recent death, and of course Francis Lear just passed away as well. So it, it, there was some poignance attached to that. But unlike the second league derby last season, when the teams were neck and neck, it's it's completely different now. Already United have, have fallen away hugely. And this 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 could be the week where it, it does you know it does really turn against Ten Hag. Um I I I think there needs to be a managerial change at some point this calendar year. I've I've stopped short of writing writing the piece that he should be sat because who who do you bring in at this point? You can't do the Ralph. Well, I think we've all agreed he probably doesn't feel like any else's man, but for right now, it's not made any sense to sack him because there's no point getting into him, as you said, and there's no replacements out there. If you actually look at the managerial market, there's going to be a merry-go-round in the summer, isn't it, with, with top managers? I think there was... I can't remember who, who who wrote it about Crystal Palace, and they said that um, there was... On, on Graham Potter and Steve Cooper's part, there was a reluctance on uh, from both of them to go into a job mid-season and I imagine they're quite and those two obviously don't have a job at the moment and I imagine that's the case with a lot of managers who will probably be back in employment next season that they want to to come in in May and then hit the ground running uh, have a a summer a proper pre-season you know, rather than come in it's a massively sad state of affairs that one probably the main reason to keep Ten Hag in his job right now is because yeah. There's not a lack just, of alternative, yeah, yeah. just it, for the sake it, of it. It's another, it, it reflects damningly on him as well. Uh, but that's, sometimes you just have to play the politics of it. And look, is, is there a break clause in his contract regarding Champions League qualification? Because if you don't get Champions League qualification as a Manchester United manager, usually that means you're toast. The only exception was Solskjaer, and that was because he was appointed um, permanently in the March. And I think they, they probably underestimated how how drastic the spiral was about to be it was of course after he was made permanent manager that they lost what, what was it i think they i think they only won two of their last 12 games that season so the the timing was i mean everyone knows they they made the wrong decision in making him permanent manager in, in the march anyway but with ten hag if you're looking at last season which was a successful season and he keeps on referring back to it as well which i don't think is is really helping his case but the trajectory was good. They'd, they'd won a trophy. They'd got to another final. They'd finished third. If you're if you're finishing low in the table, if you're finishing outside the Champions League qualifying places, if you've not won a trophy, and if you've had all these defeats this season, I mean, how many defeats they had? I think they've had fifteen defeats. It might be ten, ten and twenty six in the league. Yeah, and two draws. But obviously, all competitions, you look at it, and it's almost fifty fifty. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it, and there's no. They've, they've not mastered his style, whatever that is. His signings have been really bad, by and large. It, it's it's stacked up against him. He he's you know you hope him for his sake. This February period would be the period where it galvanises the team, and it coincided quite well with the um, with with uh, Ratcliffe getting regulatory approval and then coming on board officially and being being present in Manchester as well. But I think it's a really tall order for United to, you know, to, to to try and recover now 
and get the number of points that would be required to finish above Villa and, and Tottenham, as flaky as those two teams could be. Because as I said, Villa were what have they were wobbling before United turned up at Villa Park and, and Tottenham are Tottenham. They're always prone to throwing it away. But Spurs don't have any European football, which will be a big advantage. It will also be pressure on them as well. And we know that they don't deal with pressure, but they're not coming up against... You know, it's not like Manchester United are this behemoth who are lurking who are ready to gobble everyone up they, they, it doesn't work like that anymore I mean you look at Tottenham's game uh, last month it was 2-2 obviously and they rocked up to Old Trafford without their best players yeah. played them off the park Fulham have just done it again no Pauline no William played them off the park um, Tottenham are on 47 so United are obviously free behind but Tottenham was engaged with Chelsea this weekend yeah. so yeah they've obviously got a game in hand so potentially if they win that obviously United could be 6 behind 5th there's obviously the quirk this season that there could be Champions League place in fifth position, depending on how English teams perform in Europe. Um, so that would look even worse, wouldn't it, if there is an extra Champions League place and United still don't get it. Look, I remember when Liverpool were mocked for finishing third in 2001 and getting Champions League football. Like It was, it was seen as a joke that three teams from a, a country could qualify for a competition called the, the, the Champions yeah. League and your reward in the third place. I mean, I think it's preposterous that finishing fifth in any league should be rewarded with Champions League lucre. And I don't necessarily think it should spare a manager either in, in, in Ten Hag's case. Uh, it's it's like, it's not so much get taking the back door into the Champions League, you, you're going in through the cat flap there. It's it's. it's and it'll it'll be be we've made the point multiple times. It's not a point of going back into the competition and crashing out on the group and if you go, stages, Yeah, and, and United have done that far too often in the last um, last ten years. They did it under Solskjaer. They did it under Van Gaal, and that that's another valid point. When you go in the Champions League, you've got to you've got to have the belief and also fuel the supporters with the belief that you can do something in it. You didn't have that sense. You just didn't have that sense with United uh, going into the competition this season. You know, it was it was a testing group when the draw was made. I didn't think that they would, oh, just yeah, you know, they'll finish second because Bayern Munich will finish first. There, there were clearly some very testing away games. I thought it. that. <laughs> Did you think <laughs> maybe that? naively? Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, I mean, I, I, I didn't expect I didn't expect Galatasaray to win at Old Trafford. Copenhagen with the surprise package. They were actually so well organised. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre because they're struggling in their division around the and their, their manager said after they beat United he said that was our weakest game of, of the, the four they'd had in the Champions League at that time um, Jakob Niestrup I think his name is he's like very very impressive coach I think there's every chance he'll end up um, in, in England at some point but as you say it's you know, yesteryear and I know it's easy to hark back to the past but yesteryear it was a foregone conclusion that United would get out of the group and it was just a case of how deep they'd go into the competition and again it, it doesn't work like that anymore at the start of Ten Hag's reign, we used Arteta as an example multiple times and talked about this kind of rebuilding patience. Look at what Arsenal are doing in the Champions League now. I actually think they'll go quite deep in the competition, providing I know they lost 1 0 against Porto. You'd still expect them to turn it around yeah, against Porto. I think they're a proper team this season. No away goal rule or anything like that. So uh, That'll be it for part two, and we'll be back in a moment for part three. Welcome back to part three of the Manchester is Red podcast. Now, just a quick shout um, to Rich and Tyrone's podcast with James Weir, former United player, of course. Um, he's got a fantastic story, um, played a bit under Van Gaal, left the club, played for a few other sides, um, and he eventually ended up in Eastern Europe, I believe. But he came into MEN's offices and did a sit-down interview with Ty and Rich, and that's going out on Wednesday in the midweek episode. So make sure to check out that out. It should be very good. Um, Samuel, back to the football. Obviously, FA Cup game on Wednesday, Nottingham Forest. Um, <laughs> big game, huge game because of the, the loss at the weekend. Um, regarding changes, personnel, I think obviously striker is another talking point, isn't it? Would you play McTominay there as you did with, Did you have him as striker? I did. Did you have a right back? I did. This was, a right back originally. I, yeah, this was yeah. the, uh, you obviously tempted fate before the Hoyland news that you'd, you'd come well, out What a stupid panel. comment. <laughs> Basically, for the listeners, we do a, a panel as we talk about quite a bit. Which is our personal level, not yes, predictable. what level. we'd like to see. But I'm in charge of actually putting the players in. And on Friday morning, I put a message in. There won't be any team news. It all looks set. And then, I mean... Rasmus Hoyland maybe I'm to blame for his muscle the, injury the one injury they could not afford yeah yeah. who are you going to play it from would you like to see well I yeah I had originally had Tommy down at right back and then he went up 
up front after the Hoyland news, which just gives you an idea of the the pickle United are in with with some of their um, some of their injuries. But I I, I would start him pro- probably up front. I mean, the, Rashford is is playing by default at the moment. Um, starting by default, he he obviously scored a, a lovely goal against Wolves. Perfect timing after the the the, the Belfast trip, and he's he's not. He's not kicked on, and I think there's been this. There've been certain players who people have thought they're doing well. They're they're not. Harry Maguire has not. He's not really been doing well. He's had one good game against Aston Villa. He did all right against West Ham, but he gave them two chances. Uh, he was hooked at half time against Luton uh, at the weekend. He was he was culpable for the winning goal. It's it's been mixed at best for him. With Rashford, he scored one goal this month. He's got five goals this season. If United had a much stronger attack, he wouldn't be starting. But yeah, they Ten Hag chose to have a, a thin attack because he he doesn't use Palistri, and when Palistri did start, he didn't look up to it. He's underused Ahmad. Look, I think we all know that Garnett, uh, sorry, Rashford will start on on Wednesday. But it's 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 almost getting to the point where maybe it's worth another question at the Ten Hag's press conferences to you know, what's what's going on there because he's he's not kicked on at all um, there's well he's not just used his default answer when he says the goals will come he's getting the repetitions because there's, there's been a say, lot of questions on Rashford this season. well it was it was interesting on Friday because there was some a bit of back and forth about the striker situation and, and Ten Hag called a colleague of mine naive uh, who, who asked that question it was James Stuckley right, yeah. 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 saw the clip obviously the press conference video is out there and I think you know Certain certain voices recognisable, but he was he was obviously making the point about not signing a second striker, and I have some sympathy with Ten Hag there, and that it was never going to happen in in the summer. They were never ever going to sign uh, another striker after they were always going to invest big in a striker, and that was obviously Hoyland. They were never going to get anyone else in because Marshall, as Ten Hag said, was was effectively prohibiting them from doing that because he is a striker and also he's on big wages. So you can't have three number nines there. A mate of mine who was at the game is a season ticket holder. He was trying to convince me on Saturday that United need three strikers. I said, look, I don't think even national league teams have three number nines these days. You, that's not the way clubs operate, and I don't think they should operate that way. It's absolutely have two of them. But obviously, you know, they, you know Ten Hag was giving us this spiel about it, and I, I agreed with most of his points because we, we saw it coming at the time. Not, I wasn't agreeing that they didn't signed two strikers I thought that's what they did need and of course Ten Hag wanted one in January but that was a no-go because of uh, FFP and profitability and sustainability rules because they've spent such an obscene amount in, in recent years and had such a it's it's not computed with the, the, the poor returns they've had on sales as well and now they're in this you know mini crisis again certainly a, cri- a striker crisis because they don't have one the only the only out-and-out striker they've got available is Charlie McNeil, isn't it? We, I mean, we've discussed that. He obviously had a stint at Stephen Edge, which didn't work out. He's come yeah. back. I think he had a knock. He only came on from the bench against the City's on the 21s, and yeah. he didn't look very sharp when he came on. I think it's fair to say as well. I mean, his so, contract must be up in the summer, mustn't it? Possibly. I, don't, I think when you look at that Youth Cup uh, group, obviously he made his debut shortly after. He's not really kicked on. Obviously you've got Ganacho, no, Mane, no. Gohad, Fancy Go to kind of have a better career than McNeil as things stand anyway yeah uh, but the, the, look I think Ten Hag has got to be creative and he's, he's used that word before regarding selections and he, he wanted to be creative with force and it just it didn't it didn't work out um, Casemiro's head look at Ahmad though right Samuel last season fantastic yeah. look right I mean forcing a few appearances in pre-season didn't really impress much how's he getting training performances have a lot to do with it and Ten Hag sees the players more than we do yeah. but based on last season alone how much should be getting a chance especially because we're looking at this now and thinking right if he doesn't he's going to be out the door shortly because Ahmad's looking at that and he's getting his nose turned up and he's thinking why am I not playing I think sometimes the, the manager probably has to take a step back it's for their own benefit and just look at the I don't like using the word but look at the optics of it like should I be using this very callow- Humphrey, I'll be there. <laughs> I know yeah, yeah. Uh, should I be using this raw kid over someone who cut it in the championship last season which is seen as quite a good gauge of a player who might be able to hack it in the first team and who showed some promise against Forrest um, a, a couple of months ago and then he's obviously thinking well this is a player who I've 
hothoused here in force and I've given him his opportunities and I'm developing him and I think he can do something. And look, it, it didn't it didn't come off at the weekend. And I think it was obviously it wasn't going to come off. I I'd have been surprised if Forson had really impressed, just because I've I've not been I've not been particularly convinced by him when I have seen him play. And of course, friendlies are not are not a reliable gauge of a player's uh, qualities or worth. But it is strange that here's a player who was punitively substituted against Borussia Dortmund in Las Vegas because he was having run-ins with Dortmund players, and a player who was who was. Yeah, open to leaving permanently last month, and then there he is starting in in a really important Premier League game. It's it's odd. I, yeah, I probably it's not going to happen, but I, I would like to see Ahmad get fulfilling minutes, meaningful minutes in the United shirt. But there's so much at stake this week that, in terms of like, do do I think it will happen? No, but should should it be considered? Yes. I don't think Lind- Lindelof at left back. I mean, it just—it almost makes you weep, really, on behalf. There's no, of there's no other options. Though, that's the thing. Well, I'd rather have Lindelof there than Amrabat. That's what I said in my panel. Yeah, I know I, it's boring. But. I, was, I was discussing this with with Rich, and it's—I've said this before, but it's in the film Argo. Uh, you know, they're trying to come up with a solution to get the the Americans out of Iran, and, and it's like this is the best bad idea we have, and it's. They are in the Argo situation again. They've had six players play at left-back this season. We counted. It's Shaw, Region, Lindelof, Amrabat, Wambasaka, Dallow. And, of course, he doesn't want to lose Dallow down the right because until... I thought he was poor at the weekend, but until then he'd been doing quite well at right-back. But I think it has come to a point now that if you are to play Lindelof, just play him at right-back because he's right-footed and but then again he, he he came off with cramp or an injury at the weekend yeah, look like Casemiro had a head injury so I think there'll be you know, there'll be some revealing team news from Ten Hag at Carrington um, tomorrow lunchtime I mean we know what McTominay is we know what he can do and he's in fantastic goal scoring form but with Ahmad we don't know where his ceiling is and I'm intrigued to see when we, I don't think we're going to find out unfortunately at United but I'd love to see him up front in the FA Cup game um, it would be a big call or something in the derby, obviously, but I think for the FA Cup game, it would make sense for me. Well, they haven't said that. Like Forest have got quite physical defenders, and I would think, well, Pitt and McTominay against them. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this is the other thing. Like, I think, But then he's played in the Championship, and he was still scoring loads of goals. And he was. It's yeah. a physical division. I, I think you just got to give him a chance. Yeah. Ironically, I actually thought he should have went alone this season until he got his injury. I was leaning towards that I way. but. Yeah, but now he's back and you've got him in the squad. I think you've just got to play him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Nottingham Forrester, obviously struggling in the Premier League. Nuno's and Spirito Santos came and took over. Their results have been mixed. 4-2 against Aston Villa at the weekend. Um, went 3-0 down, 3-2, uh, 4-2 in the end. But, I mean, United have a very good record against Forrest. They've won every game since they've came up uh, back to the Premier League. Forrest. United have, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Close. Go on. Forrest, obviously, it was only two months ago that Forrest beat them. A lot's happened since, don't worry. Uh, well, that was that was felt Forrest's first win against uh, United since 1992. Yeah, I, I think. think. Marked that performance out of my mind. The Cobby Maynard game. Just rubbish. Yeah, taking them off. Forrest have got some mercurial players, I think it's fair to, to say. And that if, if United were on song, you'd, you'd have utmost confidence. Even if United won unconvincing at the weekend you'd have utmost confidence in them beating Forest away in the cup but it's I know it's a cliche well, the, Car- the Carabao Cup game of Forest that was just a, a non-event it's not really. event it was what was it 5-0 in yeah, the it end just, it was just so comfortable yeah um, it was it was over think, after the first I don't think we were expecting that to, on Wednesday no no well this is the thing with United they uh, they very rarely win you know, by 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 a two goal margin as well. I think that's happened five times this season. It has happened a few times in cup games. If that's if, if supporters are, are seeking an omen, but they've they've, they've not convinced twice against Forest this season. Even when they beat them back in August, they were they were two nil down after what was it three or four minutes in that game, uh, which is another game that you, know, th- you think back how far ago that was. It was so far ago that so long ago, sorry, that Jane Sancho actually played in it, and it's in keep, it's entirely in keeping with how they've been performing recently and how their season has gone. In some ways, it's kind of even though it's only the third game of the season, it somewhat set the tone for it. 
I, you know, it's as, as cliched as it sounds. This 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 tie on Wednesday could go one of two ways. There are players at Forest. Um, I mean, you can see Langer getting himself up for it. He played pretty well against United at the City Ground in um, in in December. You, if if Forest hit hit the hit their cues at the right moments, it, it could be their night. They'll be smelling blood. They really will, and they've got. Yeah. I mean, Morgan Gibbs White, he's a wonderful player. Yeah, You're yes. right, Alanga's yeah. been playing well, and he'll definitely be up for the game. They've got the pace and the, the kind of dynamism to to hurt United, don't they? Really? You just it, it depends on the team Ten Hag picks. But, as, but we as know, obvious we as know surely what the team's going to be. I mean, really? Well, roughly. Well, it's going to be very said, similar. Cas- Casemiro and Lindelof. I think he'll be fit, fit from from his comments. I mean, Casemiro will be fit from Ten Hag's comments after the game. Um, if Lindelof doesn't have a knock. I know you kind of I've contradicted myself there of two uncertainties, but I think both of those players will be. So, playing. so you think you think, I it think will the be, contentious point is up front. You think he'll be one change for someone for Forson? Yeah. Uh, that's why. No. That's why. Well, we'll see. Come Wednesday, we shall. Yes, I'll get a message off you. No, 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 no. I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a, a, a ridiculous. But prediction what, what, else, what else can he change? He's, he's, he's surely not going to start Ericsson or Amrabat in midfield. No, well, the, R- the, Eric, the, it, went, the it went a bit under the radar, but Ericsson was so bad. He has been for a few weeks, well. hasn't he? He's, yeah. he's been a bit well, he's, he's not played for yeah. weeks as well, which, okay, you can afford him that, but his, his legs are gone. Uh, I, he's, he's under contract until next year, but you would also be looking, is there a way of getting him Well, there was talk of some circus interest, wasn't it, in January, and I yeah, can kind of see that happen. I, maybe a romantic turn. You get quite a lot of yeah, flies from... From uh, from Turkey, they it's he kind of fits the profile like over the hill for uh, over the hill Premier League player. There are plenty of them in in Istanbul. Never mind Turkey. Um, it's a shame again with him because I think he had a he had a good first season. But apart from that second half against Copenhagen at Old Trafford, I'm struggling to think of a really really good good performance he's had for United this season. But as as you as you alluded to, it it, it could just be the one change. I would I would certainly. You know, I'd, I'd be hoping if I'm a United fan in in that away end tomorrow night, I'd be, I'd be hoping for more than one change on the back of that performance at the weekend. What would they be? What was it? Genuine question. Anyone but Lindelof at but, left back. I, I agree. You'd ideally, like the big changes, but what what are the alternatives? And especially after going to see, I've got you. Especially after a defeat the Fulham, you want to see changes, but it's probably just going to be one of them. Dallow left back. Willie Kembala at right back. I'd rather have Lindelof a right back still than Kamala. <laughs> You're cool about the film, the best one. Yeah, the yeah, best it, is, the it is. It is. It is the arg. We are, you know, we are kind of like remaking a. It's a. This is a bad remake of Argo here. But the the, the mad thing is, you look at United's bench at the weekend, and it's it's not inexpensive. It's not inexperienced either, bar Toby Collier, of course. And if a manager a manager is there to be creative, and look when. When Benjamin Mendy got injured all those years ago after City spent 50-odd million on him, Pep Guardiola has since got by without an out-and-out left-back, it feels like. He made Sinchenko um, into a left-back. And again, Rich and I, this this was half-joking. We were like, well, is, is Anthony's true call, calling as a left-back? Don't even want to entertain this point. You both kind of mentioned it last week. I'm not entertaining <laughs> playing Anthony at fullback. And I think on that bombshell, as Jeremy Clarkson says, we'll leave it there. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Samuel. Thank, thank you very much. And Sam. thanks to the listeners. We'll be back on Wednesday and for a special Derby pre-podcast on Friday afternoon. Take care.